Welcome to Baseball Biz. I'm Mark Harbett, your host, and with me today is none other than Mr. Brandon Noway. How you doing, Brandon? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Man, I tell you what, I feel like a kid, you know, just waiting for Christmas, just a few days to come. It's going to be here, but it's not Christmas. It's opening day. Here we are, and can't wait for April Fool's Day to come because that's also opening day in baseball. Yeah, you got me a little bit worried. I was thinking I'd have to go back and put my tree back up. <laughs> so so what do you want for Christmas, Brandon? Uh, well, I mean, probably an offense that's not home run or bust. Oh, oh, yeah, well, I wouldn't mind that one myself either. Well, boys and girls, we're really glad to have you here again. And as always, I'm Mark Carbett. You can find me at The Baseball Biz. And you can find Mr. Brandon at Sports Blitz Pod, both of us on Twitter. So. Reach out to us anytime you like, because we we love to hear from you. But today, today we are going to delve into the beginnings of what pitching is going to look like for the 2021 season here in baseball. Man, Brandon, you and I have done so much research into this. I I just feel like I'm, I've gone into one of those little ball pits that are about 12 feet deep at Chuck E. Cheese's, you know, and I'm try, <laughs> trying to pull my way out, trying to find my way through all of this. I know. I mean, we just... We thought it was just going to be like one little topic, spend a few minutes on it, but we just kept finding more stuff and more stuff, and we, we don't know how long the show's going to be. Yeah, so we'll, we'll try to we'll try to temper this. We may even have to develop a baseball biz pitching camp series. There's so much to go on about this, but we're we're going to kind of go over the basics of some of the things we've seen. Opening day's not a week away, I guess, right at a week, and we're trying to look at who these pitchers are going to be starting out this this first day. So. If we kind of start out and go down what the AL East, uh, I think with our own Rays, we got Tyler Glass now. Uh, he's going to be up at the mound. And let's see who who else. Not not everybody has announced who they're going to have. And this is not set in stone. We'll probably talk about this somewhat next week as well. Who else have we got here? We got the Sox with uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, Orioles and John Means, Yankees. They, of course, went with Garrett Cole. In the AL Central, if we take a look down there, we see the Indians with none other than Shane Bieber as they take on the Tigers. And then the Royals, also in AL Central, Brad Keller, he's going to be up. They're going to be taking, let's see, Matthew Boyd. The Twins underneath the tutelage of Rocco Baldelli. We got Kenta Maeda, so I know there's a guy who really makes a difference. White Sox, they got... Lucas Giolito, uh, Angels. We got Dylan Bundy, and that's the AL West. Astros, Zach Greinke. Not Justin Verlander. Hmm. I like how when Greinke was asked about starting opening day, he was like, eh, I don't, I don't really care. <laughs> that's, that's like the most Zach Greinke response. Oh, Lord. Nothing like a little enthusiasm to share with the fans. Let's see. The Mariners are taking on San Francisco and uh, Marco Gonzalez. Uh, Rangers, they're going to be at Kansas City. Kyle Gibson, and nothing to remember about the Rangers when when they're actually playing at home. They're looking at having the doors wide open, and we'll talk about that with about maybe 40,000 fans, at least availability for that. We'll see. we'll see what they come up with. They're going for the home field advantage. That's it. That's it. And then, of course, the National League East, the Marlins, you know, they're going to be starting out with Sandy Alcantara. <laughs> Sandy and here, I'll let you do this. Who's playing with the Marlins? <laughs> I believe it's Sandy Alcantara. There you go. And I believe. You believe. That sounds good. Sounds a lot better than me. 
We're talking <laughs> about Tyler Glass now, actually. We were on the, out there as well a moment ago. So we got that good cross-Florida game going on between the Marlins and the Rays. The Mets, one of my favorites of all time. And I think this is his third time out as the, oh, what's his third consecutive opening day for the Mets? It's Jacob deGrom. Always an exciting pitcher to watch. Nationals, Max Scherzer. And they'll be taking on the Mets. Phillies. Phillies going to be at uh, Atlanta. And Aaron Nola, he's, this is his fourth straight opening day for the Phillies. Wow. The Burrs looking at National League Central. Brandon Woodruff, Cardinals. They're going to start out with Jack Flaherty. It's his second opener with them. The Cubs, one of our friends, Sarah Sanchez. Hope you're a day. They're going to be against the Pittsburgh. Kyle Hendricks, it's his second consecutive opener. Reds. Oh, what? No, I guess I'm not going to find him here. No, no, it's not Trevor Barr. Okay. It's Luis Castillo. (laughs) Yeah, Trevor. Isn't he opening for the Mets? (laughs) Somebody better warn Steve Cohen. Yeah, I don't think that's it. (laughs) So they've lost that action. Uh, The Dodgers at uh, Colorado. Clayton Kershaw. Well, you know, it just goes to the depth of the Dodgers pitching, and we'll talk some more about that this season as well. A lot of them haven't decided uh, who they're going to pitch. And a lot there's a strategy too, Brandon. You know this probably better than I. A lot of these managers choose not to announce who they're actually going to put on the mound until the last hours of the game. And I've heard some tactics where a manager – put two men warming up, have two pitchers warming up before they take the mound for the first time. And not that they're going to play both of those guys, but they just want to put the opposition at a disadvantage with knowledge of the game. So there's several other ones that haven't announced, and we'll get more into those next week too about who's actually going to be taking the mound on opening day. Okay, well, now that we've taken a look at What's been happening? Now, you and I, we've got our work, Tampa Bay Rays that we love. And it was interesting to see how many folks they actually invited to spring training this year. Had like 70-plus players coming. Forty of those were pitchers. There, there's a reason, Brandon, I mean, that pitchers and catchers are called in first. I mean, they, they need to loosen up. They, they need to be uh, loose enough. They're... Their muscles, all that, their ligaments, they have to be strong enough and yet loose enough to be able to perform at the high quality of Major League Baseball. Yeah, they need more of the, the ramp up time than the hitters do. And I think it was Dusty Baker said that the hitters, they can just do like two, three weeks and then they're fine. But the pitchers, they really need the full six weeks of spring training to get into shape for the regular season. Well, and think about it, Brandon. I mean, last year, they were at a disadvantage because of COVID and you had spring training 2.0. So there was an interruption even for those guys to loosen up. For that reason alone, I think that we, you know, potentially there were going to be more injuries. And, and we'll tell a little bit of story too about the twins and Rockwell Baldelli here in a few moments. But, you know, anyway, looking at that. So the Rays, you know, they were coming in there with 40 pitchers and say, well, what's that going to be like? What's going to be happening with that? Well, it was interesting enough, they brought back one young man, Mr. Brent Honeywell. 
You know, Brent now, he had been four years since they've had him active at all. So the other day against Boston in spring training, he had his first time on the mound for one inning. <laughs> hey, you know, it's something. So I'm sure he's been there working Kyle Snyder, the pitching coach, and Kevin Cash, the manager, to get himself back out there and really looking forward to seeing what that's going to be like. Here's a few words from Brent with the conversation here with Trish Whitaker from Fox Sports. It was good. Uh, I had a blast. I was honestly, I was expecting to go one, two, three, honestly, but didn't always work out that way. And I executed when I needed to execute. I made it off the field, so that's good. That's a good thing. Okay, well, you know, you can kind of get his strategy or at least his attitude about the game this year. It's it's interesting, Brandon, when we look at this and we're thinking about, you know, what, what are some of the the high end pitchers thinking? What's going on in their heads right now? Garrett Cole and Trevor Byer, you were pointing out to me a couple of different perspectives. What's what's happening with the, the Yankees and Garrett Cole? What's his strategy as a pitcher for 2021? From what I read in an LLB.com article with Cole, they're talking about how is 200 innings still possible. And he said that he's ready to handle as many innings as he wants or as the team needs. And he was quoted as saying, I haven't put a number on it, but my goal every year is to go deep into games and make as many starts as I'm asked. We're start away from being built up at this point, and it's been as normal a spring as I've had in my career. And Aaron Boone said that he's a candidate to work 200 innings starting with opening day. And last year, in just 12 starts, he pitched 73 innings. And in the past three years, every year he has exceeded 200 innings. So you can do that again. On the flip side, Trevor Bauer, well, he was talking about going from the 62-game season to 162 games. He was quoted as simply saying, I think it's going to be a problem. And I was talking about for all 30 teams. And... Going from 62 to 162 games, that's more than 900 innings, or yeah, 900 innings that need to be filled. We're wondering how that's going to affect their arm health because we saw last year with the short ramp up time that led to a rise in injuries with pitchers. And I wonder how much this year is going to affect them with pretty much going business as usual now since they haven't had a business as usual year since 2019. It is bound to make a difference. I mean, there's no, no two ways about it. I think Barr is probably a little bit more realistic than Garrett Coe. But Garrett Coe is, he has had a history of being able to pitch a lot more. And I was looking at uh, some of those games. What I think he's got about a six-inning average for the games that he does pitch. Yeah, that's not, not a bad average. And I mean, you, you say it's probably leaning towards Bauer being correct. I think it's probably somewhere in the middle. You know, they're, they're, every team's going to encounter problems. Some will probably handle it better. It's kind of like last year how some teams had a bunch of problems with pitchers going down because of the short season. And then some, you know, it didn't really affect them as bad. So I think it'll kind of be like that. Well, okay, I'm looking back at last year. And I was reading an article by Ben Lindbergh. And this, he did this back in August of 2020. He's writing for The Ringer. The story was injured pitchers are MLB's other pandemic problem. So, and I think part of that was what we were talking about as far as uh, the, the changes in having two spring training seasons and having a continuous stretching out, if you will, of the pitchers. In that article by Mr. Lindbergh, 
he uh, he talked with like Bronco Baldelli, and he said with the manager of the Twins, and he said, well, you know, that this year's off and on schedule in 2020 is probably at least partly responsible for the excess pitcher casualties. He said, no twin starters that year had gone more than five innings deep, five innings deep into a game until Kent Maeda went to six. And thus far, he said that was paying off. The only injured Minnesota Moundsman besides Bailey is Jake Odorizzi, one of my favorite pitchers. And last year, he strained an intercostal muscle, intercostal muscle in summer camp. And he said he hadn't hurried, hurried back. He says, I think it's worrisome for not just me coming back from a minor blip on the radar, but I think everybody in general, even healthy guys. And that's what Odorizzi was saying. He said, I think that's, I think that's what we're mainly seeing is you don't know when it may or may not flare up. It just goes to show you that even when things are different and your body's not used to that, there's still time for something to go bad, even when you're in good shape and you've done what you need to do. So that's what we're training to avoid, and that's why we took the time now to rest and be 100%. Lindbergh goes on to say, he says, the problem with the plan to pull managers' feet off of pitchers' pedals is the urgency of this campaign's compressed schedule in 2020. In a 60-game season, the need to win quickly puts the intensity even higher than usual and could cause injuries. Really not a big surprise there. Goes on to say, you know, said uh, one MLB pitching coordinator puts it this way, quote, when new competing stresses under a sense of urgency are introduced, it allows more opportunities for injury. More opportunities with athletes who may have suffered from detraining during a quarantine, who are elite competitors and push their bodies and minds to extreme and ranges just isn't the most comforting situation for anyone when you look at it from an injury expectancy lens. Woof. So what happened, Brandon? I mean, Jake, he got hurt. A great pitcher. Basically a free agent that wasn't going, didn't get resigned by the Twins. And he had to do a lot more during this offseason. I know he went up to, I believe, the uh, Florida Baseball Ranch and did some rehab. So at that point during the offseason, he didn't really have a, a team. And it wasn't until late in the actually spring training, or at least midway through, that Old Rizzi did get an offer that he agreed upon, and that was with, with uh, the Astros. So it's injuries make a difference in a man's career, in any baseball player's career. Yeah, we see it in every sport. It can start with just a little injury and then like a hamstring. Those, it seems just like a little tweak sometimes, but you see it, it'll flare up sometimes just randomly and it'll just keep nagging guys for the rest of their careers. It's just one of those things. Injuries, sometimes they just happen once and they never happen again. And then sometimes they just reoccur over the years. Well, that being said, Brandon, I know that you also did some research looking at uh, some of the starter pitchers' performance and the, the number of innings that these uh, players have done. Can you share a little bit about that with us? Yeah, it's it's been no secret that, you know, sort of the complete game, it seems like it's going away, like it's almost a rarity nowadays. We don't see it very often. And just looking over the last five years, I found found on fan graphs, they went from 2015 to 2020, and they looked at the averages of 
you know, innings pitch, they took all that. In 2015, it was 5.81 average innings pitch. In 2020, it fell to 4.73. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's considerable. That's what, uh, you know, we're talking about a, a full inning uh, short of what it, what it had been in just five years. Yeah, they also showed another one of how their average pitches per game started. And in 2015, it was around 91.3. And in 2020, it fell to 77.8. And each year, it's gone lower and lower, slower and slower. No, not big jumps. It went from 91 up to 92. Then fell to about 90, then 89, then 86, then plummeted to 77. Now, there are other reasons for it plummeting so quickly in 2020. But we've seen it over the years just looking at the trends. It seems like the starting pitcher is starting to, you know, die down in their necessity to go so deep into games and it's turning more balanced between starters and relievers. Well that's that's it, isn't it? See, the starters and relievers. There's been there's been a change in the game. I think you and I were talking the other day that the change with Rays began in two thousand I think eighteen with, with Ryan Stanick at a starter that that was a philosophy or a strategy that Kevin Cash came up with. And uh, it, it surprised a lot of the rest of the baseball world. You know, I mean, you look at analytics was a surprise. You look at uh, effectively using the shift, which I think Madden had done once upon a time, but Cash was a ruin who really deployed it more than anybody. These changes, you know, they, they have to adapt. Uh, the other teams see the results. They see that some of the things Cash was doing was working. You know, did, did he actually have less um, injuries with his with his pitchers. I think we're going to do a whole episode just on the correlating between the number of innings pitched and looking at the actual number of injuries. So that's something we needed to do a deeper dive into. Yeah, and looking at the, the length of starts from this time period, back in 2015, a start of an inning or less was at 0.7%. And 5.1 innings or more was at 68.4. So we were still seeing guys, you know, going about six or seven more consistently than not. And then we saw in 2018 when Ryan Stanek and the Rays opener really first took hold and people saw that it was actually working, the one inning or less outings rose to 2% and the one to one and two thirds innings rose to 3.1, while the 5.1 or more average innings fell to 57.1 and then 2019 it rose to three percent for the inning or less four for the one to one and two third inning starts and just 52.2 percent for five and a third innings we literally saw the game practically change before our eyes almost overnight in just this two just this five year span it is kind of knock you out when you look at the the length of the starts like that does change I'm going to jump back to Cole for a minute because he was talking about expanding the number of innings he's pitch, going to pitch. If we look like it, uh, doing a little math of mine here, 162 games with a five-man rotation, you get uh, 32.4 games you pitch. I don't know how you get a .4, but there you go. Then uh, in a, in a five-inning average game, and if Cole pitched just five innings, on those 32.4 games, you know, he, he's not going to come up with, what, uh, 200 pitches. He's going to come up, you know, pretty shy of that. Well, not pretty shy. Six inning. If you take him in to, let's see, six inning average, 
at 32.4 games, he's going to get all the way up to 194 innings. The five-inning game, he'd only get it to 162 innings. So he actually has to go more than six innings, more than Blake Snell did in, in the World Series. <laughs> but I don't know that managers these days are going to keep that arm out on the field. Maybe Garrett Cole, yes, certainly as much as you're paying him. Overall, are teams going to continue to reduce the number of innings? So going back again, what we were saying about the little research we did on, actually got it from the baseball almanac, looking at complete games year by year. Well, we go back to some of the earliest stuff back in 1876, and there was a pitcher by the name of Jim Jim Devlin, and he did uh, 66 games. Let's see. I love some of these names. You and I were talking about these two. Pud Galvin, he did 72 in 1883. Old Hoss Rayburn, I love that name. Old Boss Rayburn, Providence, and he, he pitched 73 complete games. The complete game means exactly what it sounds like. That's nine innings, boys and girls. Nine innings. He pitched the entire freaking game. There were no starters. There were no relievers. You know, Old Hoss Rayburn, he did that for 73 games. <laughs> How about in 1901? Who was that? In 1901 for Cincinnati, we had Noodles Han pitched 41 complete games. That's a great name. Sounds like a restaurant, to be honest. I like that, man. Noodles. Noodles, a restaurant. I want to go ahead and get some of that right there. Uh, but it's funny because you're looking at that and you're you're looking at, what is it, 1901 with 41. And if you pick another name or two, there's some that you got uh, – well, Christy Matheson, he's at over 34 in 1908. Mordecai Brown, Nat Brucker. That's a great name. I don't bump. You've got to be careful saying that last name. I say something else if you're not careful. Yeah, i got to be careful. But, I mean, we're looking back here. So in the early 1900s there, you're looking at low to mid-30s of uh, <clears throat> what some of these people are doing. Walter Johnson, you know, he in 1911, he pitched 36 complete games. He went on for a couple more seasons. He did, let's see, 1913, he did 29, uh, 14, he did 33. I mean, how do these arms continue? You look at this. I mean, and some of these guys played for quite a while. I, what was different? And we'll, we'll get into that just a second. We'll hit a few more of these numbers. Okay, so now we're talking about going all the way into the 50s, and you're averaging for complete games about uh, 30s. You get into the 60s, you're in the mid-20s. You get to the 70s, you get in the teens to 20. And, I mean, Dwight Gooden was doing 16 in 1985. Let's pick a couple other big names here. Steve Carlton. Steve Carlton, yeah. Well, that was in the 70s, though, a little ahead. I mean, because you go back to the 70s, you got Catfish Hunter. He did 30 in 1975. Uh, Dwight Gooden <laughs> did 16 in 85. Nolan Ryan, 22 and 77. Complete games, boys and girls. We'll say it once again. We're talking about, you know, playing the whole things or doing the whole shebang. So we then we start getting down in the 2000s, and we're getting down in single digits now. We're no longer talking, you know, multiple 60s, so 50s or 40s or 30s, 20s. We are down in the single digits. And, I mean, we're looking at, like, Sabathia. He did seven uh, complete games in 2008. Roy Holiday did for three years. He had quite a few there, seven, eight, and nine, or seven, nine, nine. But 
all the way through the early 2000s, actually through 2000 until 2011, no pitcher had pitched more than a single-digit number of complete games until we come to James Shields, 2011 with Tampa Bay. He pitched 11, get it, 11 complete games. And if I remember correctly, Brandon, I think he did three of those back-to-back in a five-man rotation. I don't mean he was out there three games in a row and he did it, but uh, <laughs> he did do it three actual games, not three days in a row, but three games in a row. So, mm. I believe you are right, man. That there's a reason they call him Big Game James. <laughs> it makes a difference. So if we look over these, though, and we, we get a little closer, 2018. How many complete games? Jose Barrios from Minnesota did two. Uh, same for Carlos Carrasco, Corey Kluber, James Paxson. And then looking over on the national side in 2018, uh, Max Scherzer and some others did two. Noah Syndergaard. 2019, let's take a full year there. Shane Bieber did three complete games. And 2020, a 60-game a 60 season. Jericho did actually pitch two complete games. And who else did it in 19, uh, who else did it in 2020? Trevor Barr, old classmate, fellow play, uh, college playmate. And, <laughs> but that's it, Brandon. I mean, we're looking at complete games being pitched by a pitcher going down to single digits to less than five. Even Chris Sale in two, six, uh, 2016, he had a total of six. This makes a difference, boys and girls, when you're thinking of a pitcher who has to be out there throwing that ball with the intensity that is required of them today. It's no doubt that it's making a difference in the number of injuries in the game. Yeah, and just having the four guys, including Aaron Nola and Adam Wainwright, last year throwing complete games, that was a lot more complete games than I thought we even had. There's a whole bunch of reasons why. We're not seeing the complete games anymore, you know. Analytics driven, that's risen up a lot with uh, trying to get swings and misses, you know, avoiding the bats, leading to more walks. We've seen a rise in that as well. Also, some teams, you know, like the Rays, are thinking long term of arm health and limiting starters to maybe 70 or 80 pitches instead of having them throw 90 or 100 every start. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's absolutely crazy. I, I know we looked to also an uh, article I enjoyed was uh, on the baseball roundtable. It's called Missing and Musing About Complete Games. And they did some interesting stuff there. They, they did do the percentage of starts resulting in a complete game. And they took it over the decades. And if you go back to 1900, 82% of the games were complete games. And, well, you know, we'll have to find this chart and post it online. It's 82% in 1900. By the time you get to the 40s, it's 44%. By the time you get to the 70s, it's 22%. By the time you get 2010, it's 3.4. And 2019, less than 1%, 0.9, 0.9%. Uh, let's see, correspondingly, guys, I know we're giving you a lot of numbers, but it is, we're just really trying to give you a sense of the impact of this game. Uh, number of pitchers used per team per game, 1,900. 
you had 1.19, okay? I guess a five-man rotation meant a five-man rotation back then, if that's how they did it. Because basically, a 1.1 pitcher per game. You get to 1970, it's 2.6 pitchers per game. You get to 1990, it's three pitchers per game. 2000, 3.87. 2019, 4.4 pitchers per game. Wow. Yeah, and that's going to keep going up over the next 10 years. Well, yeah, and, and reflecting back on what we said a moment ago about the Rays, about inviting over 70 uh, players to the spring training and 40 of them being pitchers. We're going to have to pull a number for another show just looking at the percentage of on people on a roster, how many of them are pitchers and how many of them are guys out there on the field behind that or designated hitter. Uh, it's, it's getting to be crazy. It's getting to get crazy. And you, so we're talking about the, you know, the number of pitchers that are going to be per game. And we're talking about trying to lessen the injury on players. Now, Brandon, I know we, we, you and I off, uh, off the show, we were talking about how many innings they are pitching. While Gary Cole, if he wants to be hitting over 200 innings a year, he's got to do more than six innings a game. But there's really been some changes in, in the number of innings that these pitchers are pitching. What did you, what did you discover? You know, the rise in pitchers used has gone up. That obviously points to maybe more teams are putting a shorter leash on their starters. And believe it or not, the Rays are actually eight with about five short starts last year. And that is behind the Braves, Red Sox, White Sox, and Pirates, who are all tied with six. They're behind the Mariners who are in third with seven and leading the way with eight short starts are the Giants and the great New York Yankees. New York Yankees. Wow. Well, I guess Cole wasn't pitching those games. (laughs) No. He was the only one that that could go more than four innings. Looking on that same chart as far as uh, starts of four innings or fewer, it was interesting to me to see that Toronto – was just doing about, uh, well, they only had two starts in 2020 where they had less than four innings. Is that right? Uh, yes, that is right. And from what Baldelli was saying, you would think that he would have his pitchers, you know, pitching less. I mean, he, overall, he's had success with keeping his arms healthy. Only one he had difficulty with, well, was Bailey, but also with uh, with Jake, Jake Odorizzi. So, it is interesting to see, are they, the, the, is the workload being reduced? Is the expectation being higher? Is that number of innings hitting 200 innings a year that Gary Cole is talking about, will many managers allow their pitchers to get to there? I don't know. Yeah, the way the game's going, I don't, I don't think I really see pitchers, you know, going seven innings consistently anymore. I think, I mean, quality starts, that's probably going to be a, like the big, big thing here in a few years. And we're like, oh, he, went, he had a quality start. When quality start used to be like the minimum of what you would do. And we've talked about it for, for as long as we've known each other. It's, it'd be nice to have pitchers here that would go longer than just a quality start. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, do you think we'll get to the point where there actually be starters? Will, will relievers almost just kind of blend into being part of the program? I mean, I always think of relievers coming in you know, the eighth or ninth inning and, and closing everything up because that's where they were, closers. But 
I don't know how many of those closers and relievers may slowly come back into the mix of being in there for more innings. Uh, if, if you're talking about looking at so many of those who only had uh, four inning starts, I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be interesting. We should do this another topic like this in another 10 years. See how much the games change then. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we've covered a, a lot. I don't think there's a whole lot more to say. But I do want to dive down deeper into injuries and innings played. And you and I were talking, too, about style. One of the things you brought up was with spin rate and the demands on the arm with some of the some of the styles that are being used today. Can, can you give me a little bit more information about that? You know, spin rate, that's really risen up in, you know, prevalence in front offices and, you know, deciding, you know, who's a better pitcher. And it's used a lot in trying to get swings and misses. And, you know, the more spin rate you have on a ball, the more effective it's going to be. And naturally, to get more spin on a curveball or any kind of breaking ball, you got to sort of do like a, like a jerk with your arm to get the spin on it, you know, along with the, the grip and the, the way your fingers are placed on the ball. And so naturally, the more you're jerking your arm like that, it's going to eventually end up hurting you. And we see that more and more now where spin rate use has gone up, but also so have arm injuries, you know, like your elbow, your shoulder, your forearm, stuff like that's really risen up the past couple of years with spin rate. So talking about the injuries, Brandon, I mean, what what's some of the impact? What are we seeing right now as we're approaching opening day? What are we looking at as far as some of these guys who, who may not be starting? I mean, is, is Justin Verlander, I was looking forward to seeing him this year with the Astros. What's Is, is he going to be playing? Uh, Verlander, he's still going to be on the 60-day IL with Tommy John, and it looks like he's going to miss this season. As well as Noah Syndergaard, he's out with Tommy John surgery. He's questionable for the 2021 season. And a number of guys, this has to be around 30 guys, are either questionable or out for 2021 with Tommy John. Yeah, Tommy John. That guy is, (laughs) that poor guy, you would think that your career is known more for an injury than anything you achieved in baseball. But hey, you're in the Hall of Fame because of it. <laughs> yeah. But the sad truth of it is, like I said, one, it's his name. And uh, his son, his son is actually Dr. Tommy John, who's a chiropractor, and has written books about this, you know, and trying to, to, to help folks. And like I said earlier, we were talking about the Florida Baseball Ranch, and I want to reach out to Randy Sullivan. I think he, while he's helping people rehabilitate, I was looking at one of the people on there, not just Otter Rizzi, but uh, another former Ray, Colin Poche. And it makes it makes a difference. So I want to find out if there are strategies to help these young men to still be able to throw the ball, the speed, the spin rate that they need and still protect those arms. Yeah, I am curious to find that out. And I was talking earlier about a rise in elbow injuries. That's often a early sign of Tommy John or you even have elbow injuries after having Tommy John. There's at least 20 guys on this list that are out with, you know, elbow soreness or strained elbows or any kind of elbow injury. There's at least 20 guys out right now with just that. Well, I, I know what you're saying, Brandon. I mean, looking here at, at the injuries, looking at the elbows and such, it is difficult. It is difficult for a professional baseball player 
or any professional athlete to continue to play healthily when there's so much demand for them to play exceptionally, you know, sometimes above and beyond the physical nature that you would think a human being would be able to achieve. They have to keep going up to that next mark. And some of the things you were saying earlier, I think with Garrett Cole talking about meeting that threshold, meeting that 200 inning threshold, but at what cost and what can be done to help him get there, any pitcher get there safely if indeed that is a go. Yeah, and it all comes down to your different kind of mindsets, you know. Going back to Cole, he seems like the guy that's, you know, head down, no excuses, I'm going to go out there every day. Yeah. Pitch as good as I can, as long as I can. And Bauer is sort of like more of the analytics side where he knows what he can do and he uses his numbers that he tests out to help guide him in the decision-making of what he believes is best for him. So this is probably the only sport where there's so many different mindsets for just like the one position and the ways to go about it. And, and Byron, I think he's developed a whole thing with uh, his, his own company. And I think has some training as well. So I want to look deeper into those. Obviously not today. There's so much going on. Brandon, you know, it, it's, it is interesting. I, <laughs> a lot of these guys, I, I wish them great health. There's so much demand on, on their physicality, what they can do and not. And a lot of different perspectives like you talked about. So with that in mind, I do want to celebrate once again, Christmas is coming. And of course, that's opening day. There's so much going on. We hope you enjoyed what we talked about here today. Brandon, I want to thank you for all your deep research and for bailing me out while my computer and resources were failing on me here today. Whole lot going on. Uh, Brandon, you got any final words you want to share with our folks today? Uh, we are less than one week from, actually, from when you're listening to this, one week away from baseball coming back. That's right. That's right. We're, we're recording on Wednesday. We usually go live on Thursday. And next Thursday is April 1st, April Fool's Day, opening day, which seems appropriate. So thank you all for joining Brandon and I today once again for another edition of Baseball Biz. And we look forward to talking with you again real soon. Special thanks to X-Take RUX for the music rocking forward.